Live here in Washington, D.C., home of your favorite and best creators. You are now tuned in to people that you don't know that you should know. I'm your host, Ty Westbrook, featuring my co-host, Murray Ann. And let's get going with today's show. Yeah. And if you don't know, now you know. If you know, you know. All right, people, you already know what it is. We're back with another episode of People That You Don't Know That You Should Know. I'm your boy, Ty Westbrook, featuring my lovely co-host, Marianne. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing today, Ty? I'm doing well. It's beautiful. We're almost halfway through the week. It's Wednesday. I know. That's awesome. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah. So we just got to chug on for these next two days and then we got the extra extra day for the holiday yeah it's good stuff so it's good stuff I'm you doing ex- anything fun for the for the weekend i know i'm gonna attend a cookout uh me and my girl we're actually gonna go ziplining on sunday Ooh, where do you go ziplining it's in rockville maryland okay. this is our first time okay so it's a place out in maryland i'll let you know the details okay cool when uh we go and then we take pictures and Sweet. tell you how tell you how well it went okay uh then you can take molly yeah she'd never do that no? No. Good God, no. <sighs> Poor Molly. Really? No, but I appreciate that about her. I appreciate the fact that she looks at certain things and she goes, there ain't no way. Yeah. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not doing that. And I'll be like, oh, come on. It'll be fun. It'll be, let's try. She's no. I'm, Peer pressure is not her jam. Hey, I told totally you like, understand. Yeah. She has boundaries. She does. My child has boundaries. I'm doing all right. Early. Early, too. Early. Yeah. 14-year-old boundaries. It's good stuff. Good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah. Goes to trying to kind of work you put in. Yeah. I want to know if our guests would actually go ziplining. Oh, yeah. Starsha, would you go ziplining? Absolutely not. Why? I'm afraid of heights. Oh, that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to ruin it for whoever I go with. <laughs> <laughs> so you're thinking about others. Yes. Yeah. Totally. So, Starsha, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Thanks for taking a little time for, for uh, us to get to know you and our community get to know you as yeah. well. I, I just got to start out with a basic question about your cool name. Yes. Yeah. So where, where did the name Starsha come from? So the name came from uh, my father, who was in the Navy and traveled all over the world. Uh, he started to like comic books and collected a, several of them all over. Um, and in one of the comic books, there was a um, Princess Starsha, and that's where he got the name and wanted to name his daughter that. And then I came along 10 years later, and he kept the name. So that's where Starsha comes from. Can you go with a little bit in detail or depth about the story, about like why it kind of just triggered him? Well, what was it about Princess Starsha that said, all right, I'm going to name my, my daughter Starsha? Well, I think, um, so uh, I think he first saw the name in the 70s, late 70s. Um, and I think at that time it was a really unique name. At that time, everyone was naming their children after soap opera stars. So I think <laughs> <laughs> he saw Starsha and it just stuck with him. Um, and then his first child, me, was a, a girl. So I think it just kind of was a natural, this is a name that I've liked for a long time and just gave it to me. Yeah, I love it because it gives me such a hippie vibe. Yeah. Yeah. So He's I, a totally a hippie. He was really? the first person I ever met that did yoga did yoga in the 80s that wasn't popular then um he had dreadlocks before people had dreadlocks he was vegan before people were vegan my whole life he was vegan um he is vegan uh he ran marathons and you know really worked on his body um in great shape even now so I think he's totally totally has been a hippie and this was he lived in California at the time so um California was ahead of the hippie (laughs) move and wave so yeah he totally was a hippie and into that kind of stuff where did you grow up so I was born in San Diego at the Naval Hospital 
Um, and then I came back to Brooklyn. My Both my parents are from New York. Came back to Brooklyn when I was about nine months old. And then my whole life I grew up in Brooklyn. Hmm. Um, Brooklyn and Queens. Um, yeah, so I grew up in New York. And, you know, it, this all leads up to where I am today. But um, I always felt like I was different. I didn't really... Um, I wasn't like a lot of the other my other peers in New York. They were very much, you know, you, you have to have a street sense. You get kind of a lot of that growing up. You deal with a lot of different things growing up. See a lot of different things you probably shouldn't see. Um, but I always felt like there was something else that I wanted, something more. Um, mm-hmm. I always liked being outside. I always liked greenery. Um, so I knew when I was ready to go to college that I was getting out of there. Um, and not that I didn't value growing up in New York, um, because I think to this day, my street sense is um, what has gotten me so far. Um, and I, I value that so much. And I also value um, the history of growing up in New York. My whole family is from there. Um, they're still there. So I just I really do value that, but I knew I had to get out. I knew I was going to go somewhere else, and I knew I was going to go to the south. We considered mm. this the south, <laughs> so I knew I was going to do that. Um, so that's how I ended up here. So, so is that so? School brought you to yes. DC? I went to Howard University, HU, um, in two thousand and one, which was really interesting because what was that? Maybe six months, six weeks into the school year, nine eleven happened. So um, it was a really um, traumatic time for me because I felt as if I had nowhere to go. Hmm. There was a plane crash here and there was a plane crash in New York. So I was, you know, it was very traumatic for me. And I came to college when I was 17, first time away from home, um, couldn't get in contact with anyone in New York. The phones were all down. So um, I had to really dig into um my strength and, and, and the person that I was even at 17. Um, but yeah, I came to Howard and I just dug into Howard. Um, I did, I didn't go home every weekend like everybody else. <laughs> I went home with my friends. I traveled. That was the first time I traveled. Um, met people from all over the world, especially all over the country, um, Detroit and Wisconsin and, you know, all the places that I had never even envisioned meeting people are going. Um, so I really dug into my Howard experience. Did you, um, just jumping back on the 9-11 thing for a second, uh, did you have a lot of family or do you still have a lot of family who uh, are in the service? Um, so my grandfather was also in the Navy um, and then just my father. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. one really served. But um, interestingly enough, my aunt worked at the World Trade Center, um, but she was on maternity leave. Um, during 9-11, so yeah. interesting. Uh, uh. Yeah. yeah, we were in uh, New York at the time. My ex-husband and I lived in uh, in New York uh, at that time, and my dad had just come in because uh, on the 10th because mm. we had a show open because uh, uh. I was a theater producer, and so we had a show open, and so he was there for uh, the show and was you know driving back to the airport when it all happened. Wow. You know, and so obviously he couldn't get into the airport, yeah. and he couldn't get back into... Um, the city and so he was sort of stuck out in in um oh I think he made it to Newark I don't know there was some weird thing where he and he was kind of stuck and so he had to stay at some hotel outside of Mm -hmm. of the city because he couldn't quite figure out how to how to get anywhere yeah and everything was on lockdown yeah yeah I remember I was in school I was at elementary school in the classroom and 
I just remember my granddad uh, picking me up. Um, all the parents, you know, picking picking the uh, students up from the mm-hmm. classroom. Didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Uh, then I, you know, we went home. Then turned on the TV on the news, and then found out what was going on. I was more so like, "Hey, I'm leaving school early," but didn't find out like what's really going on. And then me being, I'm just like, "Wow." It's oh, so yeah. interesting how yeah. the three of us are from uh, three different generations, right? As we're talking yeah. talking about this, right, and and how um, significant uh, historical moments in our time impact us differently in mm-hmm. at our different ages. Because I can remember the Challenger disaster in the same way that because I I was in. I think I was in elementary school during the Challenger. Yeah. And I, I had this similar sort of thing, like we knew that something happened that was really bad, but you didn't quite understand the full context of it. And yeah. I, I remember a couple of years ago when I when I uh, worked at GW, uh, they, they do something uh, on 9-11 um, every time, and it's sort of like a moment of silence, and all the folks in ROTC come out and they march. And, and I had this fascinating conversation with a, a young lady who was there who uh, wasn't uh, alive yet at the time. Ah. You know, And she, she was sitting there and she said she had such a strange um, uh, sort of feeling about it because she knew she needed to feel something and she knew she felt like something but she had no context for right. for what it for what it was yeah. and so she was sitting there trying to figure out what she was supposed to to sort of do and we had this fascinating conversation yeah. about these two different perspectives yeah yeah generationally it's just completely different and like you said where you were at the time that it happened you remember that like oh, if, yeah. on the other day like you wouldn't necessarily remember what you were doing in elementary school um, but that day you remember what you were doing um i remember what exactly what i was doing when i found out so yeah well it made me think a lot more about um other historical times that i have not been there for right and so i would think about whether it was vietnam or think about kent state or think about like these kind of things and i and and i had a whole different perspective on what i don't know about those things and just being a little bit more open-minded about other people's experiences yes who had lived through those moments. Right, especially your elders, you're thinking about your parents and your grandparents and how they felt the same way about certain events. And, and you never understood it until something happened in your lifetime that yeah. was similar. Yeah, definitely. So uh, so you go, you come to Howard and you have that experience um, and you're still here. So what has yeah. kept you in, in D.C.? Um, I think, first of all, I really had a great time in college. (laughs) I mean, I can't say I had the highest GPA, but I had a great time in college. And I, um, you know, I really dug into it. And even when I was ready to graduate four years later, I didn't want to graduate just because I wanted to stay in school and have a good time. Um, So I knew I was going to stay. And my intention was to stay for a couple more years and then move back to New York. And as life happens, time flies. And um, then I started to make friends, more friends, uh, in addition to the friends that I had made in college. Um, and I cr- started creating my career and things just kept going and going. Um, and I just, you know, I just enjoyed the area and I've seen the area grow so much, but I just enjoyed DC at that time. What did you uh, major in? I majored in psychology and minored in chemistry. I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Um, that was wrong. <laughs> um, right after college, I actually uh, did an a, sort of an internship at 
at um, NIH, National Institutes of Health, for two years. It was a fellowship. Um, and there I worked in the uh, cancer research lab um, doing research, kind of the physical research around cancer, um, breast cancer, and t- um, prostate cancer. And if you've been to NIH or familiar with NIH, you know that in addition to heavy research, they also have hospitals um, for folks who have kind of really rare conditions. Um, And what I was able to do that is not often done is to connect the people to um, the cells on a slide. So Mm. um, I realized that I wasn't built for that. Um, that was, I am an empathetic person. I connect with people. Um, and I, maybe sometimes I take on their feelings and things that I just knew that I didn't want to continue that path. You know, what's so cool about that is that, as I think that a lot of times we think that, you know, we go, we're going to do these experiences or have these jobs or whatever it is. And if, if we discover in that process that, um, we don't like something or it isn't the path we should take, we see that as a negative, Yeah. you know, as opposed to seeing that as an opportunity is going, well, wow, this is awesome. I just learned that I can cross that off my list because that's yeah. just not the path I should be mm-hmm. going down. That's good. That's good stuff. Like yeah. that's, that's a win. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. I think at that time I was about 20, 22, 23. Um, and thank goodness social media hadn't really jumped off that much because I think even more so I would have felt more pressure to yeah. stay stay the road. But social media, it was just Facebook really at that time. Um, but yeah, I just I said, well, what am I going to do now? And, and the thing about it was also um, I'm not a first generation college graduate um both my parents went to college and several of my family members but I was the first one that kind of went away to this beacon Howard is seen Mm. as a beacon in the black community and I was the first one to go and do that so I felt like I had to deliver something I couldn't have gone all the way here um studied and 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 been you know I guess an inspiration for my younger cousins and family members and then didn't deliver and I ended up not having a job <laughs> two years later um so yeah it was so, a lot of pressure so where where has creativity come into your uh, life have you always mm-hmm. considered yourself a creative person or how how has what's that journey been no it's interestingly enough I always thought I always used to say I'm not creative at all I would say that out loud and people would say, yes, you are. You always, you know, you do your own hair, you do this, you do that and you're creative. And I'm like, no, that's just because I, I'm lazy. I don't want to go to the hair salon or, you know, I just never saw it that way. Um, and people would always say that. So it wasn't really until I would say maybe five years ago, honestly, that um, I realized I was able to be mindful about the things that I really enjoyed. And it wasn't what I thought I enjoyed. So I thought I enjoyed processes and organization. That's the way that I run my life in terms of professionally. But then on the weekends, I would knit blankets for all my friends. And I would crochet things and I would make things. And I that I just would spend the entire Saturday. Everyone was out at brunch. And I was knitting and crocheting at home at in my 20s <laughs> um but it, it wasn't and, and it was just I like you so yeah. much that's awesome <laughs> um I just enjoyed it and I would just like learn a pattern I taught myself how to do it off of YouTube and I would just learn a pattern and just wing it go to the store get some yarn different colors whatever and just start making things um 
And that's when I really recognize, okay, you have a little bit of creativity here. Just let's dig into what this is. Um, and I just started doing that and, um, and started like giving them away. Uh, what has the knitting experience, what has that um, brought to your life now? Um, well, first of all, I am so, so grateful for the internet. Years ago, <laughs> you had to get a book and learn a pattern from pictures in the book, right? Which is horrible. Nobody can, no, I don't know who ever learned that way. I learned how to crochet and knit from YouTube. And it has been, that's just so amazing to me. Um, and I always, anyone who wants to do it, I always recommend just go to YouTube and just start learning from there. This episode is sponsored by <laughs> YouTube. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> um, so the, in that, number two is that, um, instant gratification might not happen when you're knitting something the stitches are really really small so it takes a long time you think oh I'm just gonna make a blanket (laughs) a blanket can take you two months to make um so you just learn about instant gratification is not necessarily the goal it's the process so that's what it taught me was um patience and the valuing the process rather than the end goal so when you when you think about uh, kind of your career trajectory, I mean, uh, uh, we we met because of your your work in um, the food space. Mm-hmm. You know, so how how have you taken um, th- those kind of values and and mm-hmm. those perspectives into uh, your work in the more creative economy kind of spaces? Yeah. So I think um, in, in there is a new wave. I wouldn't say it's new, but urban agriculture is um, something that. We've, we're seeing a lot more in the cities, inner cities, um, and the value of it. And um, I think I have been able to be inspired by urban farmers, um, seeing queer, non-binary urban farmers doing their thing out here. Um, I, and I'm just so inspired by people living authentically. Um, and it has stretched me to move away from processes and procedures and paperwork to valuing, again, valuing the process, valuing um, getting your hands dirty and what that feels like and looks like and the way that they live their lives. Um, and it just kind of brought value to me um, to, to not to be fearless, to try new things. Um, things might not end up right. You know, in terms of food, the harvest might not come. <laughs> um, there might be a really bad year with bugs. I mean, there's different things that come along with that. Um, and I just really am inspired by folks that are in this space. So uh, does that mean that you're, you will go zip lining? No. Okay. Just <laughs> I, was, I was just checking on the trying new things. No. Um, I don't know. Maybe one day me and my therapist can work through it, but <laughs> <laughs> probably not. <laughs> so are you still working in the in, in the food space? Can you tell us a little bit about what's uh, getting you excited now? Yeah. So um, I am currently uh, the director of operations of Dreaming Out Loud, um, which is a nonprofit organization uh, in the food space, but really trying to create economic opportunity around food. Um, so what that means is not just um, food access, but also creating jobs, um, creating opportunity for small food businesses, for black and brown farmers that don't necessarily have access to customers, um, and kind of getting into that uh Creating those, creating that loop, I guess, of um, economic opportunity around food and food sovereignty for people of color. Uh, so, I am still in that space, and um, and also 
stretching my creative creative creativity and um you know creative chops i guess um still crocheting and knitting i do not make a living off of that or charge for it i make it for my friends and give it to them as gifts <laughs> which is really a win-win for me um <laughs> give it as gifts um and then i also have a small business so um that's kind of what i'm doing right now yeah when you uh, when you think about what the next you know three to five years holds for you, what are what are some of those um, uh, what are the things that excite you about uh, what's possible mm-hmm. for you not only in your creative practice but uh, but also in in work opportunities? Yeah, so definitely um, this new creative economy that's happening around me and in DC, bolstering that, encouraging people um, to try what it is that makes them happy so and then if if they want to make that a business if they choose to make that yeah, I love a that you say that because you don't have to I you think that there is this sense that you if you're not hustling to get paid for that creative work that some t- somehow you're lesser than yeah and I don't think that's true at all no it, you have to you have to enjoy the thing because if you make it a business you're gonna enjoy it less I promise so it's better to if you if you don't really want to do it for a living or need to do it for a living, enjoy it as as long as you can without the pressure of it bringing you income because um, that pressure takes away I think some of the joy of it uh, because if it's your business, you don't have a life, you don't have free time. It, it is your business one hundred percent of the time, so that does you know take some some of the joy out of it. So yeah, if someone wants to start a business. In, their, in the creative space or um, whatever their idea is, helping them through that. So that's really what I would like to do with my career moving forward, um, continue with, with my small business, but also assisting other small businesses however they want to show up in the space, brick and mortar, digital, whatever. How what, what can what can we do right like the consumer the um, the everyday person when it comes to supporting the farmers that you work with on a day to day basis what what are what are some of the things that we may not think about that uh, that might be easy lifts or not easy lifts that mm-hmm. that we all could be doing uh, to be more supportive buy local period everything that you can it it may be a small amount more. But it is it's bringing something to a value to you. For instance, yesterday I probably ate I don't know how many strawberries from the farm that we grew in Ward Seven. Those strawberries were the best strawberries I have had in years, and they were freshly picked yesterday, and I ate them yesterday. <laughs> um, so it's not just um, you're not just doing a favor for farmers. It's more nutritious. Um, it tastes better. Not you don't even have to. You don't even need it cold. Like I like strawberries cold. You don't even need them cold. These freshly picked strawberries are like amazing. But just generally, in terms of your health, um, local food is better for you. Um, if you have allergies, eating local fruit is better for your allergies. Um, you ingest the pollen over time. It improves your um, tolerance for those allergies. So. Buy local, um, and that's just for food, but in general for local artists and things, support your local artists. Um, it'll improve the economy in the neighborhood. It'll improve the economy in the city. Is there a place where uh, folks can find out uh, about some of these smaller farmers, uh, you know, smaller farms, not literally smaller humans that are farmers, but mm-hmm. like smaller farms uh, that might not uh, be at every uh, every farmer's market? Or uh, h- how do we support specifically uh, uh yeah, a more diverse farming community. Um, 
that's an interesting question. I think I would definitely suggest contacting folks over at Dreaming Out Loud. Um, the website is dreamingoutloud.org. Um, but go to your local farmer's market and find out where those farmers are. Um, talk to them. They, their amazing wealth of knowledge. Um, they travel far to get there. Um, they're usually understaffed. So they like friendly faces, friendly conversation. Um, and you can learn so much from them. So go to your local farmer's market. There are tons of farmer's markets popping up all over the city. Um, just stop by. And it's probably one every day in mm. the city somewhere. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say. Are there any uh, over in Ward 7 and 8 that we should uh, know about and try to, to tell people to show up for yeah so um i'm gonna plug dreaming out loud as well please do it (laughs) so um this year dreaming out loud is partnering with the ark farm um over in ward eight so um there will be three locations for that there is um one on at the ark farm itself there's one at the dreaming out loud farm the farm at kelly miller which is in ward seven and then there's one at national children's center um ncc which is i'm not sure if it's Ward seven or eight but um so those three, if you go to bbar.org slash crisp, C-R-I-S-P, um, that is where you can find information about where exactly the markets are in the days. I believe it's like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, and that's Ward 7 and 8, yep. Well, thank you for spending a little time with us and getting to letting us get to know you, and, and uh, that's been wonderful. Thank you. This was great. Thank you, Princess Tasha. <laughs> and hopefully one day you can find it in yourself to go ziplining. Uh, we'll see. But no, I'm gonna let you know how the experience is. But okay. I'm sure it's gonna be fun. Okay. I'll let you know if I have like a, a panic attack or something. Uh, that will definitely make me not want to yeah, do that's it. Not, I, I know. That's not helpful, Ty. <laughs> I know. Why, why probably would you, not why tell, would you me that. tell her if you had a panic attack? That's not cool. Because you're not even scared to do it. I so, know. Yeah. 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 It's the mess with her. <laughs> yeah, mess well, with thank you in advance. No problem. <laughs> it's Ty Westbrook signing out on another episode of People That You Don't Know That You Should Know. Featuring Marianne and Princess Dasher. We'll see you guys later. Hi, this is Starsha Valentine. I am Director of Operations of Dreaming Out Loud. And here is someone you don't know that you should know. Um, shout out to my friend Nicole Crowder. Uh, her Instagram is at Nicole M. Like Mary Crowder. Uh, she has a modern furniture design and customer upholstery studio. It's on Georgia Avenue. Um, follow her and go hit her up and check it out. We want to thank you all for tuning in to this episode of People That You Don't Know That You Should Know. If you like our show and want to learn more, check out tool2creates.com. And oh yeah, please subscribe on the Apple Podcast. You guys be sure to tune in again next week for another episode of People That You Don't Know That You Should Know. I'm Tyler Westbrook, signing out.